Hello, brow enthusiasts. You're tuning in to Brow Education with Megs, the podcast where we unravel the secrets of perfect eyebrows. I'm your host, Megs, and in each episode, we explore everything from grooming hacks to the latest trends in brow fashion. Get ready to shape your brows and your confidence. Let's dive in. education with megs <laughs> today we are recording episode four i think episode four it'll be in the title <laughs> and this is season one still so we're gonna chat about brow mapping as somebody who always almost always never maps <laughs> so let's get a little background on <laughs> brow mapping from a freehand artist. I think that's a good way to put it. I don't use it. Don't love it. I don't want to say I don't recommend it, but let's get into it. Okay. Welcome. My, I'm trying to think of like, I feel like if you listen to podcasts, they like, or even just like celebrities in general, like name their audience. And I'm like, I don't want to be that girl, but I do want to be that girl at the same time. So at the moment, you're just the brow education babes. So, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm excited for the pod. We are getting into it. And even though where I'm at, it hasn't launched yet, I know that when you're going to be listening to this, it will have. And that makes me so happy. Today, I'm going to tell you my unpopular opinion on brow mapping. Um, my biggest reason for not loving it is... It is a crutch, in my professional opinion. I think it's a crutch, but it can, or it, it can, it can't be. But I feel like lately I've been seeing it used in a way that seems to be like a crutch, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. I think it's a tool that can be wildly useful. And I think it's something that is like a skill brow artist should know. So I'm not saying it's not something you should do. I'm not saying it's not something I never do either. I'm also not saying that it wasn't something that I did um, in the early stages of my career. Um, I did, did do it a little bit differently, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But I just feel like this is something I've thought for a long time. And I know that when I talk to other artists that have been in the industry for a little bit longer, kind of feel the same thing. And... I think that it's just because we, because brow mapping is in a whole different beast nowadays. Whereas when I just, when I had just started brows and got into it, brow mapping to the caliber that it is now was never seen anywhere other than microblading, which is kind of crazy and understandable. I mean, microblading is permanent, so I totally understand why that would be the case. But it is interesting to me that we're so heavily reliant on it now that it's so prevalent. These glasses have the screen reverberation. It's really distracting. So I'm going to take those off. Um, so distractions aside, <laughs> I do find that it's a crutch. I do find that it can be. So why do I keep saying crutch? The reason being is that when I say crutch, I feel like it's one of those things that like, if you're going to have a meltdown, if your favorite brow mapping paste runs out mid-treatment and you're like literally not going to be able to continue the service because you have no idea what you're doing without mapping, crutch. That's a crutch. So ideally, brow mapping should be used when you're having a difficult client, when they're super particular. You know, I feel like there's a 
time and a place for it for sure. But I think that, I think that the problem that I'm seeing is that people think that that's the end all be all skill. Whereas I think utilizing a tool like that to then gain a, excuse me, to then gain the skill of just using your eye um, is what it should be. So it should be a building block instead of a staple. That's what I think is more or less what I'm trying to get across. I think it should be a tool in your toolbox that you can pull out when you need to. Say you've got a client that has really uneven brows and you're like, where do we even go from here? We have to find some, we have to somehow meet in the middle. So how do we reach that middle? That is a great time to use brow mapping. When you're brand new and you have no idea how to map the brows, great time to use brow mapping techniques. Um, but I think that the problem that I'm seeing is that I see so many artists like literally changing their schedule to make sure that they can include the brow mapping. So like if I were to change my, so my current time frame for brows, let's say, like, and I'm talking, I feel like there's definitely a difference. Let me clarify really quickly. When you are doing a tint or permanent cosmetics, of course, like there's a time and a place where it's like, okay, this is semi-permanent or permanent. So we got to really know our P's and Q's. We got to make sure those lines are tight and well-shaped and symmetrical and um, the whole face comes into play. But I think, and the other difference with those types of services is they have a higher ticket price. So if those services have a higher ticket price, you can essentially translate higher ticket price to more time spent. Now, with something that is more commonplace, more often, more frequent, like a brow wax or a brow thread, you really should not, the ticket price is low. So your time should be lower. Now, I'm not saying like, You need to be a mall kiosk or a nail salon brow artist where you're just getting them in and out. You don't care. You're not worried about it. I'm not saying that at all. I think there's a way to do quick shapings without the need for mapping and still phenomenal results, still happy clientele, um, and still doing everything appropriately, um, you know, properly sanitized and everything like that, that it can still be done. But I think that what we're losing is that a lot of artists are just brow mapping. Like they get out, they get a new client, sits down in their chair, they're getting out their brow mapping tools. That's crazy to me because my appointments have always been 15 to 20 minutes for a brow shaping. I don't know about you, but that allots for the shaping part. Not necessarily, I mean, if you spend five to 10 minutes mapping, where, what, I have no appointment left. There's no more time for me to do anything at this stage. So I, and then, and then that means that now I have to extend my appointment time frame for my clients. So they have to set aside more time. I have to set aside more time and I'm immediately making less income. So if I'm able to walk into the treatment room, uh, welcome my client and have them lay back on my table, get to work and get them out in 15 minutes. I can pack more in my schedule, I can make more money, and my clients are stoked because they can get in and out really quickly. Hair removal needs to be looked at a little bit differently than something like a tint, a lamination, 
or permanent cosmetics. Shapings are your bread and butter. They're going to be your entire clientele gets that service done. So whether they're a client that's never come in just for threading for me and they've only ever gotten laminated or tinted, there's still a shaping that's coming in with that or like getting included with that service. So I think that we just got to we got to be able to do our bread and butter really, really well. So when I got started in the brow world, my services were literally like all of the ex uh, uh, excessive stuff, like extra stuff, I should say, wasn't around. So when I was new to the brow world, um, tinting wasn't allowed. I'm in California. So tinting wasn't allowed. And um, so one thing that I wasn't able to do, so wasn't offering that when I first started in my brow niche. Uh, when I went out on my own to, into my current business and lamination was not a thing when I first started. I think I was a year or so into owning my own business before lamination really hit um, the States or at least where I, I'm at. I know that some people started a little bit sooner than I did, but in my town, I was the first one to offer that. So when I was starting, it was really just threading. I was just doing threading. And in order to make as much money as I wanted, I had to fit in as many people as possible. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> when we're new, we definitely are not solid booked. I mean, we would love to be. Don't get me wrong. And I had a decent clientele. Don't don't take that. Like, I'm not being ungrateful. I love my ladies that have been with me. My people that have been with me from the very beginning. Premise, I do have a mostly female <laughs> clientele. So I always say ladies. But there are some others in there. So I don't want to exclude them. So my people have followed me and it started out with just threading. Then it has grown. Some of them are now laminators. Some of them are now tinters and, um, you know, things have shifted, but the one thing that has maintained the same, I've gotten so off topic, but it is the same topic. Um, the one thing that has stayed the same is that my appointments are short and sweet to the point and I don't map everyone. So, I, when I first started my brow journey, so before I went out on my own, I was new to the brow world. I had never threaded a day in my life before I started at my previous job. So the job literally before my current business, I had never threaded. I had only waxed like my friends and family periodically just to like honestly flex my aesthetic muscles when I was between uh, industry jobs. And I was so nervous to do like a bad shaping and I know that all new brow, brow artists are I avoided it like the plague in beauty school I did not want anything to do with it I really was so terrified of waxing so threading was the first step to me really loving shaping brows and then waxing came honestly a lot later I still don't feel like I'm the best I would never claim to be the best waxer in the world. Like I talk my clients into threading all the time. Cause I'm like, this is what I'm good at. So I digress when I was still learning shaping techniques and still learning just the art of brows um, at that previous job, I was doing a old style of mapping. Um, the salon owner or boutique owner that I worked for her style of mapping was filling in the, cause we were a makeup boutique. So remember that little factor, our style of mapping was, it seems so backwards, but we filled the brows in with makeup first. So like the client would come, they'd sit in their chair and I would grab like a pomade or a brow pencil and I would fill their brows, their, their pre-groomed brows 
first. <laughs> so I'm filling my brows in. Now, I feel like this is a, is a fun technique. Maybe if you're a brow artist and you've never done this before, you should try it and tell me how you like it. Um, I would fill them in with it like as clean as I could because we were we were into makeup. We did a lot of wedding makeup and things like that. So makeup was another training that was pretty pivotal for most of us there. So I would fill their brows and try to create the best possible shape for the brows they had. And then I would groom from there. So <laughs> anything outside of the brow pencil line or the pomade line or whatever, I would remove that. And every once in a while I do it now and I like, oh, I'll finish the brow shaping and I'll fill their brows in and I'm like, that one hair is kind of annoying. It's not really fitting. Or I'll highlight underneath the brow and I'm like, I don't even see those like baby vellus hairs. That's crazy. So I feel like this is such a fun technique, but it is a form of brow mapping. So that's how I learned how to shape. So it actually helped. And then eventually I stopped doing it entirely. I wouldn't fill them in unless they asked me to at the end of their appointment because I could just look at their brow, look at their face, and know exactly what hair I needed to remove. This looks, these hairs look wrong. That's your natural shape. That's the best thing that's going to look. And I never really used like the face shapes. I feel like face shapes is a very, very, very outdated form of this is the bright, right brow for you. I think that we need to like completely remove any focus on the face below the nose. Because if their nose is crooked or if their chin is offset, utilizing that to make a center point or whatever is not going to work. <laughs> you know, so I think that we need to remember that all of these types of tools are just that. They're just a tool to use to make you better at shaping. Eventually, the whole goal is to have an eye for it, is to literally look at someone on the street and be like, oh my God, this would do so much better for you. And that means not even just hair removal, but leaving hair, places to grow more hair. Um, I think that's one of the parts that is really cool with mapping in general is that it can show you if it's done correctly, where they might need to grow in hair. Because that's a harder thing to just visually see until you really get into it, um, what, where they should be growing. So I think it's a good tool, but I think it can be a crutch. So if you never stop doing the mapping, you're never developing the eye for it. And I think that's a handicap because it really hinders you from, like I said, what if your product runs out? What if you try and try and try and map and it's just not working out. You can't even just like pull back and look at them and figure it out. Um, you're, I personally feel like with tinting, like I feel like sometimes the mapping can get in the way of what I'm trying to do and create that super duper crisp line because there's a barrier in between. If that concealer or whatever paste that you're using to map gets in the way of your products, like, then the service isn't even being done correctly or properly. So there's just a lot of areas that I've personally run into with brow mapping where it really just like hasn't helped me. So let's talk a little bit about the styles of brow mapping. So there's brow mapping with paste or concealer, like I've talked about. I feel like concealer was definitely used more before the paste started coming out on the market. Um, this is another topic I'm going to be talking about soon is marketing techniques that really snag us and get us buying shit we do not need. 
um, gel pens and neon paste and a concealer palette that you won't actually retail or sell to your client. You're just going to use it for mapping. These are things that you don't actually need, especially if you're able to develop that eye for it. I just lost my thought. If you're able to develop the eye for it, you will not fall into these marketing pitfalls. You're not going to be like, oh my god, I need the new paste. Oh my god, my lines keep moving, so I need the waterproof one. I need a new one. Also, aside from just falling for marketing techniques, your overhead now costs more. If you have to keep brow mapping products in stock at all times in order to do your job, your overhead is more than mine. So if you're somebody like me who uses it periodically, it can be a fun purchase during a sale that you have in your toolkit to use when if you feel like it, or maybe if I want to make content and I want to make it more creative, I can grab that product and use it. But it is now taking away, like at some point my business took a hit as far as the cost of that. Is the cost low? Yes. But so are your, like my ticket for my brow threadings are not my most uh, lucrative offer that my clients have. So if I'm only, if I'm using it for all of these clients, you know, that aren't bringing in as much money, then, you know, it doesn't translate well, especially if you're having to keep it stocked. So that's another reason that I feel like we need to remember that at the end of the day, even though we are artists in our own, you know, industry, we also are a business and we don't get to do our fun job if we're not making income. So we don't get to keep doing what we love if we're not making money. We don't get to keep doing brow appointments and um, servicing our clients if we're not making money. So the biggest way to turn a profit in your business is to lower your overhead. So I'm always, always, always trying to make sure that my bottom line is staying low. And then that way I can spend the extra money that my business is bringing in on important things like trainings and uh, outsourcing uh, stuff like you know, your business admin or your financials or your social media or whatever, so that you can focus on what you really want to and not be spending money on these silly little <laughs> one-off items. I mean, if your product is expensive, whatever you're using for your mapping, like if you add it up all for the whole year, and you guys should, this should be like a little homework, add it up if you're somebody who maps, see how much you're spending in a year on it. And you would probably be surprised how much it's costing you. And like I said, it could be a minimal cost, but when you add it up at the year and you're like, holy shit, I'm spending, I don't know, we'll keep it low, like two to $300 on mapping materials. That's a course. That's a whole ass course that you could be taking to better your skill. So I know everyone's different and I'm not trying to say like, never use these products. They're a waste of money. I'm not saying that. But for me... I think this year I've probably spent $30 on mapping materials, maybe. Um, and they're still totally usable and I'll use them through the next year and probably the next year after that, unless they go bad. So, um, you know, that's another thing. Like we don't want our products going bad. We don't want anything like that, which if you're using it regularly, they're probably not going bad, but you are buying it more. So something to think about, something to think about. So back to the different styles, there's the paste um, concealer type where you apply it all around. Obviously we're mapping the brow. I do see the paste and the concealer used more so for tinting, um, brow mapping, a tinting service. Um, there's also the string, which I also see the string more in the permanent cosmetic side. Um, 
There's the gel pens. I think that's it. There might be another one, like another style of pen. But those are the top ones that I see all over the place. Now, one of the things that drives me bonkers is if you if you're mapping brows only to get a cute social media post, that's not your job. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody's going to be like, this bitch is annoying. What is she saying? But no, it's not your job. You are not a content creator. And, or maybe you are, and that's a different topic. You're not, That's not who I'm talking to. But if you are a run-of-the-mill, which sounds so rude. If you are just like I was, <laughs> a brow artist, true and true, you have a brick-and-mortar business, you have you're a service provider with a clientele, you are not a content creator. Content should help bring clients into your studio. The clients do not give a shit if you brow map. It's super fun. Don't get me wrong. I think it's one of the most fun things to see on social media. I think it can look really cool for a lot of people, but I don't think that it's something that you need to be doing all the time. I just think it's crazy. And I think that it should be done sparingly so that you have that fun. You do have the content on occasion, but every other time you're able to look at your client and go, I know what she needs without mapping. I think that freehand artistry is dying and it makes me so sad because I think it is such a important skill. And I think the funny part is that it's going to make all of those like brow artists that have been in it for as long as ever, you know, that you look up to, they are not mapping all the time. They're freehanding because mapping is newer. It's not been around forever. So we've been brow, we've been shaping brows, y'all. <laughs> we've been shaping brows without the brow mapping. So just remember that it's not a necessity. If you're new and you've never mapped and you're like, I have to learn this technique. I have to buy all this stuff. No, you don't. No, you don't. You could do what I did and even just use, like, if you say you're new, you want to carry a brow pencil at least because you just opened and you want to have a retail option for your clients. It doesn't need to be extensive. I think brow pencils are the easiest thing to first carry because they're a one size fits all. They work for most people. And um, if you get the right line, there's a variety of colors. So you could have a tester in your back bar that you use to fill a brow. And like I said, as a form of mapping, and then also in turn, sell that product to your client. Now you have not wasted extra time because you probably were going to fill in their brows anyways. You have filled in their brow. So they love that giving a little extra customer care. You have also helped them find a new product that maybe they're obsessed with and you possibly just upsold, meaning that you're now making more money for that appointment. So at the end of the day, your business is just that, a business. So cutting out the excess fat is very important. And excess fat, I mean extra costs that are unnecessary. The other thing is that we're dealing with a industry that's saturated. We have a lot of people doing these services. If you're in a bigger town or city, you have competition. I think competition is wonderful because I think that competition makes you better yourself. When you are worried about somebody else doing your job better than you, you go back to the drawing board. You go back to your education. You take more classes. You practice more. You work your ass off. So sometimes competition is good. And when we have competition, we need to set ourselves aside. So I love that I am one of those brow artists that I like to keep it very natural, very simple. It pairs rarely nicely with my threading. They can leave without, they can leave with less redness. They can leave with or without makeup touch up. 
and they can leave without any leftover residue from a freaking mapping paste or string or whatever. Because if you've used some of those, they are so messy. It's so funny to me. The client doesn't see it. They don't care about it. <laughs> it's so wild to me. Um, the other thing that we need to remember is time. This is a business. If we want to make money, we have to cut down our time. Unless you want to be somebody who's in their studio 10 hours a day. I mean, we, we're brow artists. We're not hairstylists. We don't need three hour long appointments. We don't need hour long brow appointments unless it's a lamination, you know? So time is money. And we have the luxury of being able to fit as many people in our schedule as possible. And as much as your body can handle, of course, very important. Um, and then we can make more money. So I, one example is that when I first started with lamination, I charged, uh, $80 and it was an hour of my time. So in that hour I charged 80, you know, back end and all that out of there. I probably walked away with like, I don't know, 60, $75 is probably, I don't know the exact dollar. So we'll just say that that was my total. So for an hour, I made that much hourly, which is great. Oh, lamination has a low overhead, but most recently I changed it, upped it. So it was still an hour and it was a hundred dollars. Then most recently I dropped it down to 45 minutes, still a hundred dollars. So now I'm spending less time and I'm making more money. So I'm making even more hourly. So at the end of the day, we need to remember that our business is time is in our business. So time is money. Your time is extremely valuable and you need to remember that. Don't lose sight of that. And with brow business, we run quick. We're trying to get that turnover rate. We're getting clients in and out the door. We are doing hair removal, which needs to be done quickly. Um, and the quicker you can do the hair removal properly, the quicker you can make more money, the quicker you can get more people in. So like in an hour, I see four clients, four threading clients. Uh, that is another hundred dollars. So I charge 25 per client. I get $25 for a 15 minute appointment. If I'm making more than a dollar a minute, that's great to me. Um, I also feel like personally with my own clientele, if I had to expand the time frame of my, even if I was like, it's going to be deluxe, it's going to be bougie. You're going to get all these extra stuff, all these extra things. I would definitely have a large portion of my clientele be like, pass. I want what I currently have. I love that you're quick. I love that you're efficient. And I love that you get me in and out of the door. So remember that when you're opting for a longer appointment, you're opting for all these extras, you're losing out on the clientele that doesn't want that. So maybe you love it. You can always have a deluxe service where you do brow mapping and you do the extra masks and you condition the brows and you do a massage or something like that. But you get to charge more so that we're not worrying about the overhead costing more. We're working that into the price point. And then you're attracting the clients that want luxury. That's fine. But don't lose out on the people that don't want that because the people that want the basics and that low dollar ticket, you're going to have a plethora of them. Those are going to be 10 times easier to get into the door and to get to reschedule than the heavier, uh, heavier price point, larger price point. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like we really need to envision everything from an artistic and a business standpoint. So don't minimize your ability to use your sight, your eye for brow shaping. 
you are a brow artist. Anyone can learn how to map, but a brow artist can look at brows and create a beautiful, gorgeous shape. So let's just wrap this up, summarize the episode a little bit. And why I think brow mapping is a crutch is because I feel like you can get a little too reliant on it. And God forbid you run out of your product or you come into a time where your mapping technique is just not cutting it. And you're like, what? the hell do I do? Where do I go from here? So if you develop an eye, you're never going to run into that issue. And I think it's just a really important skill for everyone to learn. I think that each set of brows that we work with are so unique. And each of us as artists should also be as unique as the sets of brows. So setting yourself apart by being a little bit different, doing things differently, Or, I mean, even if you love the brow mapping and you enjoy it and you have so much fun doing it, that's fine. That can set you apart. You can love it. You can do it. You can advertise as such. But I think that when you completely close yourself off to learning other skills and making sure that at the core of it, you have these basic skills like freehand shaping or tinting or whatever it may be, um, you're closing yourself off to stuff. And I just feel like at the end of the day, money, making money for the business to keep yourself in business is very important. So I would just hate for a new artist to get out there and feel like they have to buy all these mapping products because they're terrified of it, like of not being a good artist because they don't know how to map. And it's just so not true. As someone who was an artist who didn't learn mapping in the same caliber, um, I even found that I knew the shaping that I wanted to, I've seen the shape and I've mapped and then been like, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Like there's not many times where mapping has really changed the game for me. So I think that at the end of the day, we really, really need to remember we're a business. Time is money. Your time is valuable. Your client's time is valuable. And as long as your client is happy with the results, happy with their care and has a pleasant experience, that's the most important thing. So just remember, brow brow shaping is not the end all, or brow mapping is not the end all be all. You can learn the skill without um, having to sacrifice. So you can have all these tools. I love having a good tool, full toolbox of techniques and skills. But I do think that the toolbox would be flimsy if it wasn't built on a really proper foundation of basic skills. So. That's my two cents on brow mapping. I am so, so, so thankful for you being here. I always appreciate all of you listening. Um, These educational long form episodes come out every Thursday. Um, You can find them on Spotify for audio, YouTube for audio and video. (laughs) You can find uh, updates and things like that on the IG, Broadducation. I like to do lots of polls, get your guys' idea and connect with me there. If you got comments on the episode, come find me on IG. Um, my TikTok is shared with my other business, the eyebrow goddess. So you can find us on TikTok or even on IG at the dot eyebrow dot goddess. Um, follow us on Spotify. Click that little bell to get notifications when our new episodes drop. They drop every week. Um, they drop every other Thursday and every other Tuesday. So Thursdays are our educational podcast days. Tuesdays are our Tarot Tuesday. So follow, subscribe, share the pod with a friend or a brow lover. Come back next week. And I'm so grateful and thankful that you're here.
Bye. Now, for a short message from our sponsor, Brow Fox Beauty. Hey, it's Emily here from Brow Fox Beauty. I'm so proud to be sponsoring this episode of Brow Education. If you are new here, let me tell you a little bit about Brow Fox Beauty. We are a professional brow line for the esthetician. We specialize in easy retail for the busy esthetician. We also have a line of better back bar basics so you can be super confident putting pre and post wax solution and massage oil onto your client's skin, giving them the best glow and the best brows yet. You can find more information at browfoxbeauty.com or on social media at browfoxbeauty.